It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. I mean, the play it made was a, was a really good play. I mean, that's a do or die. You go to your backhand. You, you've got to be able to, to take two steps forward on that because there's no time. Uh, you know, Wisdom made a really good had a really good jump on it, and Tyler made a good play. So, yeah, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice culmination of about 30 minutes for Michael Chavis. It sure was. Michael Chavis tied the game against the Cubs with a homer. Then he maintains the tie with a great play in the field. Then he wins the game in the 10th with a base hit. That's Derek Shelton. I'm Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. We'll talk about the Pirates and baseball in just a little bit. But first... Whether you're cheering on Tampa Bay or Colorado, BetRivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest odds, promotions, and boosts throughout the finals. Every game of the playoffs, log in to BetRivers Online Sportsbook and place three $10 same-game parlays to receive a free $10 bet. Claim your free BetRivers Game 5 matchup on BetRivers Online Sportsbook. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Lightning plus 155 on the money line to keep the series alive at the Avalanche. They are minus 1.5. That's the puck line. It's minus 182 on the money line. The over-under is at 6. The Avalanche 
95% of the money on the money line, 72% of the tickets. Avalanche on the spread, 62% of the money, 64% of the tickets. Over is at 21% of the money, over 6, 70% of the tickets. The Avalanche are backed by 29% of all Stanley Cup championship futures handles. The largest futures bet that could win tonight is a $1,000 wager on the Avalanche to win the championship at plus 500. Over one and a half second period goals have hit in nine straight games between the Avalanche and Lightning. The favorites have won in nine straight Avs games. And the Lightning have covered the puck line in eight of their last nine games as underdogs. So keep that in mind if you were thinking about the puck line for the Avalanche. I'm going with the Avs straight on the money line. I know this would be the ultimate typical you-can't-kill-the-Lightning-they-are-vampires kind of game. It would be so them to force a Game 7 at least. But even in that situation, I like Colorado in a Game 7. So I'm picking the Avs tonight. More hockey, Penguins hockey with Seth Rorba later on in the podcast. A few notes on the NBA draft last night. Paolo Banchero from Duke was the surprise selection atop the draft by the Magic. Um, That was at the Barclays Center on Thursday night. The Thunder began the first round for them by taking... Gonzaga center Chet Holmgren second, so he goes to Oklahoma City. Auburn forward Jabari Smith went third overall to the Rockets. In the weeks leading up to the draft, Smith had been widely expected to be the top selection, but the Magic turned things upside down by taking Paolo Banchero. As a result, this was the third straight year that the book has taken a loss on the NBA draft. Seven of the ten most wagered-on draft position over-unders were winners. Jabari Smith to go number one was backed by 24% of all NBA draft money and yet the book still lost more on Paolo going number one than it gained from Smith not going number one. I didn't watch. I figured no one from Syracuse was going to be drafted uh, except for maybe Buddy Beheim, and I didn't think that was going to happen. He signed with Detroit, so I'm a Pistons fan now. I'll be waiting for my jersey. All right, on to baseball. Let's get to the day that Michael Chavis and the Pirates had. They won 8-7 over the Cubs yesterday. They didn't sweep that series. They won 3-4. of four. I swept the series. I was 4-4 four for four picking those games this week. I took the one that the Cubs actually won in favor of the Cubs. I didn't think that was all that hard to sniff out. And the final score certainly indicated that on Wednesday night when they won, what was it, 14-5. to five. And I'm surprised I had to sweat out yesterday as much as I did. But then again... It is the Bucko bullpen that we're talking about. But Chavis, how about that guy? In the top of the frame, Chicago had scored five times to turn a 6-2 deficit into a 7-6 advantage. But leading off the bottom half of the eighth, Chavis hit a 410-foot home run to center field. So that tied the game at 7-7. It stayed at 7-7 going into the top of the 10th inning. And then Chavis managed to maintain the tie by getting the second out at home plate on a great throw from first base, a good clean pick on the backhand, and a nice throw and a nice tag. So the score stays 7-7 because of Chavis tying it, maintaining the tie, and then after they got one more out to get the game to the bottom of the 10th, it's still tied at 7-7, and Chavis bloops a hit in the right field to driving Cabrian Hayes for the winning run. 
The hits were certainly crucial, but who knows how far off the rails that top of the 10th inning gets if it's not for the throw that Chavis made from first base to nail Patrick Wisdom at home plate. Here's what manager Derek Shelton said. You know, when you get a middle infielder, because you know he can play second base and does a nice job there, when you get a, a guy that's got really good hands and you put him over there, uh, and his actions have really worked over there. He's worked hard, you know, at the, at the picks. And, I mean, he, he made a couple nice picks today. Uh, overall, I think it's just the ability of the way he moves his feet. And this was Chavis's breakdown of the play. You know, I saw a high chopper, so I figured off the bat he was going to be going. And I actually heard them say, go, go, go. So I knew he was going to be booking down the line. So I just tried to glove it and get rid of it as quick as I could. Made a good throw, and uh, Heinemann did a great job of keeping the tag on him. Now, Chavis had been in a 2-for-22 slump, and with all the buzz about the young call-ups such as O'Neill Cruz and – Zawinski and Bly Madras uh, getting so much attention of late. It's taken a lot for Chavis to get back in the consciousness of Pirates fans, but within a half hour, that 30-minute window that Shelton referenced, Chavis certainly did that on Thursday. But now things get more difficult for the Pirates. The Cubs are pus. They stink. Going on the road to Tampa for three games this week, different animal. The Rays are 37-32. and 32. Despite being five games over five hundred. That's only good for fourth place in the ultra-deep American League East. Tampa is 14 and a half games back of the first-place Yankees, yet only one game out of the American League wildcard final spot behind the Twins. The Rays have had a tough go of it lately. They dropped four series in a row, having lost two or three against the Twins, two or three against the Yankees. They got swept by the Yankees once. They lost two or three to the Orioles. So they're looking to get back on the winning track consistently. One issue the Pirates may have is that Tampa happens to be one of the best home teams in all of baseball. They have 22 home wins. Only the Yankees, with 30, have more in the American League. The Rays also have some of the best pitching in the league. If you're thinking about playing over-unders and individual run-line totals, keep some of these numbers in mind. They have a staff-earned run average of 3.17, fourth-best in MLB. They're tied for fourth in the league when it comes to team batting average against a 221. Their 180 walks are fourth fewest, and the staff's whip of 1.12 is third best. The Pirates won't see Shane Baz. The former Pirate first-round pick pitched Wednesday, got a no decision in four and two-thirds innings, allowing a solo homer to Aaron Judge in a 5-4 loss to the Yankees. They will, however, have to face Jeffrey Springs on Friday, Corey Kluber on Saturday, McClanahan on Sunday. Springs has a 2 ERA and a 0.98 whip. In his last seven outings, he left without yielding an earned run four times. In six of those outings, he allowed two earned runs or less. Corey Kluber, he won the American League Cy Young in 2014 and 2017. He's pitching Saturday with a 2.35 ERA and an 18-3 to strikeout ratio during his last four starts in the month of June. So good June numbers for Kluber. And McClanahan, I've talked about him a bunch on the City Cast lately. He leads Major League Baseball with 113 strikeouts. He's 7-3 with a 181 ERA. That's fourth in baseball, a whip of 0.85, second best among Major League Baseball starters. His 84.1 innings pitched are the most in Major League Baseball. Sorry, not the most. The ninth most in Major League Baseball in the top 10. The Pirates, they may have totaled 32 runs over their four most recent games against the Cubs. That's eight per game, but don't expect that kind of output at Tropicana Field this weekend. They are going to counter with Mitch Keller on Friday, JT Brubaker on Saturday against Kluber and Contreras, uh, 2-1 and in a 2.89 ERA on Sunday against McClanahan. 
Unfortunately for the Rays, they're about as bad at hitting as they are good at pitching. Tampa's 26th in runs, 24th in team batting average, 25th in on-base percentage, 26th in slugging, and 25th in OPS. In each case, there are only about two or three slots in front of the Pirates. So if that's any indication of how much the Rays struggle at the plate, kind of use that as a barometer. So I like the Rays in all three games. The Pirates' best chance may be tonight. If you do want to bet on them, I don't. They are plus 180 to win on the money line, though. The under is going to cost you at 7.5 at minus 118 for the under. It's minus 103 for the over. The best payout tonight might be Tampa on the run line at plus 106 for a run and a half. I'm loading up on Sunday. I'm saving everything for Sunday to bet on McClanahan. I like the raise there. I like McClanahan on whatever the over is on the strikeout total. I like the under because Contreras is pitching two for the Pirates. I'll take the Pirates' individual total on the under. Uh, I'm just saving everything for Sunday. That's my plan for this series. Thankfully for the Pirates, after the series in Tampa, they get immediate relief when they travel to Washington for three games. The Nationals are last in the National League East with a 25-47 and 47 record, have lost eight of their last ten. After that, the Pirates return home for four games against the Milwaukee Brewers, who are tied atop the National League Central with the Cardinals. Then they've got a bunch of weird scheduling quirks all the way up to the All-Star break. They have an off day on the 4th of July, followed by two games at home against the Juggernaut Yankees at 52-18. and 18. Then they have this odd one-day trip to Cincinnati for a doubleheader against the Reds on July 7th. That's followed by 10 road games in Milwaukee, Miami, and Colorado to close out the first half of the season before the All-Star break. By then, let's hope that the excitement surrounding O'Neill Cruz and company is still present as it is right now, but we'll see. Uh, time for a 30-second break. When we come back, we'll talk Penguins hockey with Seth Rohrba, the Trib. That's next in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Like Flurry, I think there's a chance Flurry's coming back to Pittsburgh. I think Ooh. it's possible. What a and... story! <laughs> Forget everything else. How come we didn't lead with this, Elliot? <laughs> well, last year, Fleur, Washington wanted Flurry really bad, and he wouldn't be traded to the Capitals because he was like, I might I might want to go back to Pittsburgh, and I don't think I could play for the Capitals. Yeah, that's a good decision, Flower. That's a good decision, Flower. That was Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada on the Pat McAfee Show. Back of the Pittsburgh CityCast, Tim Benz with you right now. How about that? Friedman says a return of Marc-Andre Fleury to Pittsburgh isn't out of the question. Fleury, now a free agent. Gotta love McAfee there, right? Good decision, Flower. Good decision, Flower. Can't tell he's from Western Pennsylvania, can you? Flurry's desire to avoid playing in Washington, that's not new news, but the inference that coming back to Pittsburgh eventually played a role in his thought process on that topic, that kind of is. And I'm not sure how much I believe that or how much even Flurry would have believed it would happen, but Pittsburgh's ability to pay Flurry what he may need to return, and the presence of Tristan Jari may make such a reunion impossible. Now, regarding Chris Letang's contract talks, Friedman said that he believes the team and Letang are about $1.25 million apart per year. Regarding Malkin, 
In his pending free agency, Friedman says that the team and Malkin's agents may be able to come in line on a three-year deal. That would align with Sidney Crosby's remaining contract, but the money wasn't close. That's what Friedman said. Now, speaking of Jari, the biggest question surrounding him has now become, when is he going to be allowed to answer the biggest question about himself? Yeah, one of those quizzes inside an enigma wrapped in a riddle type of things. I mean, he's twice proven that he's an above-average regular season goaltender, twice backstopping a team to the playoffs, earning an Eastern Conference all-star nod along the way. But neither of those seasons have ended with the Penguins' fan base or management able to confidently say Tristan Jari is a real good playoff goalie. Once because he wasn't, not even close. That was in 2021 after his season careened into a wall during the first-round playoff series against the Islanders. And the other time this year, he was injured. Compounding matters for the Penguins is that Jari is going into his last year of a $3.5 million contract. The club can extend him prior to the 23 season ending if it wants to and if he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Does either side know, though, if it wants the marriage to continue? The Penguins want to tie themselves to Jari as their goalie of the present and the future before they even know if he truly is going to be good in a playoff situation. And does Jari want to tether himself to an organization that may not trust him beyond his first bad playoff game? The first thing that has to be decided is if the Penguins are earnestly rebuilding around the final three years of Sidney Crosby's contract or if the organization is going to keep Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang in free agency this offseason and perhaps through 2025 with Crosby before a true blow-up. If Ron Hextall and Brian Burke decide to take the second route, my guess is they shouldn't make a move on Jari until after this year ends. They shouldn't want any extra dollars committed into the future depending on what kind of production they get from Malkin and Latang on their new deals and then they find out where the franchise overall is at and use that as a backdrop to make a read on the goaltender. But if the front office goes with a more rebuilding angle, I wouldn't be surprised if it tries to work out an extension with Jari for another few years beyond the end of 2022, perhaps in the mold of Brian Rust's deal to get him at a discounted rate before the free agency bidding process begins. Meanwhile, Jari gets the security of not having to test the market, coming off of what could be a bad playoff if they get there and he doesn't straighten himself out, if that Islander bugaboo resurfaces, or entering free agency coming off a year, playing behind a rebuilding team that may not be good enough to get there depending on how long the reconstruction takes. From a team perspective, I can't help but see the Colorado Avalanche and think of Jari a little bit. Like, the Avalanche won the Western Conference with the combination of Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz net. They're on the cusp of winning the Stanley Cup Final, and they still appear to be figuring out which one is better or maybe said worse. I think Jari is better than both of them. He's five years younger. His 2022 goals against average was better than both of their marks by, what was he, a 242. And it was 254 for Kemper, 254 for Francois. Jari's save percentage was between the two. Francois, 916. Kemper, 921. Jari in the middle at 919. Kemper was the main starter in Denver. 37 wins for the best team in the West with 119 points. Jari had 34 wins for a club that was seventh in the East if you looked at raw point totals at 103. Neither Colorado goalie is putting up numbers as good in the playoffs as they were in the regular season and yet the abs are a win away from the cup 
The point being, there are many who wondered aloud, can the Penguins really win a Stanley Cup with Tristan Jari and Nett? And my response is, if the Avs can win at least 14 games with Darcy Kemper or Pavel Francouz, then yes. Now the Penguins simply have to rebuild themselves as a team that's like the Avalanche, and that's much more easier said than done, right? Of course, but that task would be a lot easier to begin next year if they free up whatever Malkin and Latang would cost against the salary cap for the next three years. That total was $16.7 million last year. Honestly, the further we get away from the summer of 2017, people may start asking, how did the Penguins ever win two cups with Matt Murray? Whatever happened to that guy? Maybe because the Penguins of five and six years ago were what the 2022 Avs are right now. My bet is Jari can be good enough for the Penguins if the Penguins make themselves better. Keeping Latang and Malkin isn't an attempt to get better. It's a prayer that the team stays just as good, which the last four postseasons hasn't been good enough to get out of the first round. And only one of those results can be put on Jari's back. I talked about that this week on the Mark Madden Show. Seth Rorba joined me from Trib Live. He's our Penn's beat writer at the Trib. We discussed Jari and a bunch of other Penguins-related matters. Seth, speaking of goalies, you wrote about Tristan Jari on Sunday in your Penguins A to Z at the Trib. You posed the question, is Tristan Jari the future? How would you answer your own question? I think he is. Um, he stepped up after you know a very low professional moment last spring when they lost to the Islanders. Uh, worked a lot with Andy Kyoto, the new goaltending coach, and you know I think he answered the bell at least you know based on his regular season play. He didn't really see too many swings or inconsistencies in his game. He had a little bit of maybe of a you know a, a plateauing, I guess, a little bit in you say February, March. Uh, but um, you know, the question with him is always going to be the playoffs, and he didn't really get a fair chance to answer that uh, this past season where you know he played one game seven with a still injured foot. Um, so I. I think that there's two parts of the question, whether he can meet the, meet the demands in terms of bouncing back. And I think he did that so far, uh, at least based on his, how his regular season play is. The second part of it is like, if you do get rid of him, who do you get, get in there? I mean, yeah, I guess. I and, mean, you know, like we just mentioned the Colorado avalanche, were able to go out and get Darcy Kemper, but I don't know that there's always that many options where you can go out there and find a different goaltender. Perfectly one is maybe even better than Tristan Jari. I would argue Tristan Jari's, in the top half of goaltenders in the NHL, uh, maybe top 12, 13, 14, something like that. So the options to get someone better are very limited. And in terms of internally, I mean, the Penguins don't exactly have any prospects right now who are NHL ready. I mean, they have some pretty good ones. Uh, guys like uh, uh, Joel Blomquist, the second rounder that they drafted in 2020, I believe it was, with the pick they got from Ottawa with Matt Murray. But uh, point being is they don't have any immediate candidates even to be a backup right now within their organization. So, um, again, two questions. Can, can Tristan Jory bounce back from you know, a low moment? I think he has. The second question being, who can you get better? I don't know if there's anyone out there, at least at the top of my head, that you can get in an immediate sense to replace him. Yeah, I don't think the questions are about this last year of his contract. The questions are, you know, based on – their netherworld that they're in right now when it comes to the playoffs, you know, constantly being in but then out after the first round, do you just stick with him after 2023 because he's got just one more year left? Like, that's when the decision has to be made about Jari, and I don't know if he's going to be afforded the same opportunity to make a run through the playoffs to show that he's a really good playoff goalie because of the team that might be in front of him if they just reassemble everybody from last year. 
Yeah, but then I guess the, the question is, or the, the risk that you run there is, let's say he does have a really good run. He, you get to the second round, third round, whatever it is, even a Stanley Cup final, and he's all of a sudden an unrestricted free agent. Um, do you run the risk of just letting him walk for nothing? Whereas you know, right now, actually, I think as of July 13th, I think you can sign him to a contract extension. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, you can extend whenever. him this year, right? This off season. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you try to, you know, get, eliminate that risk, you know, a year down the road or do you, you know, do you get, roll the dice and, you know, hope that he's uh, in a better place and sign him to a contract that would make him your goalie to at least 32, 33, what have you. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a risk. I mean, they obviously have some bigger questions right now to answer with regards to Crystal Tang, Evgeny Malkin, Ricardo Raquel, some other guys, I guess, in terms of guys becoming free agents this summer. But um, that is maybe a bit of a risk that you you do run if you opt not to address Tristan Jari's free agency until next offseason. Well, let's answer those questions about those three guys that you just mentioned, Raquel, Latang, Malkin. Of those three, who's back? Oh, man. Um I'm not sure. I, I, you know, it seems I, you know, there's absolutely no word coming out of anyone either camp, whether it's the players camp or the team's camp, as far as uh, where negotiations are going. And they, they've seen this all stuck to a uh, pretty, you know, uh, uh, strict uh, adherence to, to an agreement not to discuss the matter publicly. But um, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say Crystal Tank's probably the biggest priority. I mean, how many right-handed defensemen that put a point for almost point per game numbers are there out there? So uh, especially ones who've been held fairly healthy for the past three years. So um, if it comes down to dollars and cents, I mean, I, I just don't know that the Penguins are going to be able to give Evgeny Malkin, uh, I'm sorry, Crystal Tang, uh, what he's looking for. Um, I mean, he certainly has a lot of comfort level. He certainly has a place in the hierarchy here and, and you know, certainly knows what to do here. So um, I think it would be good for all parties agree, you know, involved, at least in terms of the on-ice components, uh, if, if Crystal Tang were to return. As far as Evgeny Malkin is concerned, I – I mean, I I know for a fact, you know, let's put this way. I know for a fact both uh, Crystal Tang and Evgeny Malkin have all each been told, or their agents have each been told, that they can't come back to the same salary. So, um, you know, if that's changed or anything like that, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, I've been told that, you know, the agents for both players have been each been told that. So uh, as far as Evgeny Malkin's concerned, he's probably, you know, yep, you probably have more concerns there just based on his injury history over the past two years. He hasn't played a full season you know, for a couple of years now. Um, he, he he was a you know a fairly consistent goal scorer you know this past season at least on the power play so there's something to be said for that but his five on five play certainly wasn't there so um, I think my colleague our colleague Jonathan Bob Bully pointed this out one point uh, on Mark's show or maybe a month or so ago I mean if, if you play out his stats over a full season and I know that's a big if with you know a guy like him has been injured quite a bit but he's a forty goal scorer so what do you pay a forty goal scorer I mean that, that's uh, I mean, you know, if you're talking about you know six, seven million dollars. I think that's fair for a 40 goal scorer. But I mean, you can't. That doesn't just exist in a vacuum. And there are significant flaws there that you have to maybe consider, I guess. But um, let's put it this way: if, if either player is going to be back, it won't be at the same salary. Um, and as far as Ricard Raquel is concerned, he's clearly a, a back burner item. I, mean, I think they would like to bring him back. He seems pretty optimistic or pretty happy with what he was able to do here in the short term. But um, he and as well as everyone else, guys like Evan Rodriguez, et cetera, Danton Heinen, Kasperi Kapan, they're all kind of back burner issues after uh, the two big guys there. Yeah, Raquel, like, you know, we keep doing this thing in football. If Hunter Renfro makes XXX million, what does that mean for Deontay Johnson? If Christian Kirk is making XXX million, what does that mean for Deontay Johnson? In Cincinnati, they're doing that right now with Jesse Bates and Minka Fitzpatrick. So, like, if Brian Rust is coming back to the Penguins for five point one, what does that then do to Ricard Raquel? 
That's a good question. And I, you know, it probably has a, a whole lot of league-wide ramifications, I would argue, than beyond just Ricard Raquel. But, um, you know, Ricard Raquel, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite sure what he was making here. I'm trying to call this up, delay some time here while I look this up, actually. But um, he's a guy that he has been a 30-goal scorer. He's been a, a steady 20-goal scorer. He's a guy I think we saw a little bit here during his time here in Pittsburgh where um, he's not just a guy who plays on the perimeter and pops in 20 goals a season. He's a guy that um, can play actually a pretty gritty game up front. Uh, um, you know, you know, work do some work along the boards and things like that. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever going to confuse him with say Kevin Stevens, but um, he, he's a guy that's a little, got a little bit of physicality to his game. I would argue, and um, he's a fairly complete player. Seems fairly you know responsibly defensively everything like that. So he seems like a fairly complete overall player. So um, is he the level of Brian Rust? I'm not quite sure that's the case, but uh, uh, I just found that his, his cap hit last season was $3.789 million. So um, you would think a guy of his talents was may, would be maybe in line for a little bit of a raise, maybe getting up into the $5 million range. And I don't know if that prices him out of the Penguins uh, you know, realm or whatever, but um, he's a guy who, if he hits the open market, I think he could fairly expect something like $5 million a year uh, for you know three, four, five-year contracts. So um, if that's the case, he's probably going to be out, outside the Penguins' uh, price range. But uh, um, like I said, I, I think all parties involved would like to see him come back. I just think it maybe comes down to a matter of dollars and cents here uh, in terms of finding an, an agreeable number. All right, so my thanks to Seth. Glad he could join us here for Friday's Pittsburgh CityCast. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. It is a Madden Monday. Uh, then we're off for a little bit next week around the 4th of July, going into and coming out of the weekend. We'll figure that out, but uh, just know we are back for at least uh, three podcasts next week, and then we'll kind of go from there. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and we are brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.